When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a wonderful actress, and, and she's part of so many people's. Uh, uh, in pop culture uh, hall of fame she is uh, she has been in so many great films over the years and uh, just uh, just a wonderful career that she has put together the uh, the book is our subject today her her book is her latest and it's uh, it, it is a must it is a must for uh, for everyone who loves pop culture. You know her from so many uh, great films: uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Better Off Dead, uh, The Last American Virgin, and uh, again, that is now celebrating forty years uh, out there, uh, the 40th anniversary. Uh, is that possible? That's unbelievable. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Diane Franklin, how are you? Merci for having me on this show. <laughs> I'm, an- I'm answering you as Monique from Better Off Dead. Bonjour. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, listen, we loved you and that and, and so many other things. We're going to ro- love reading about you. Tell us about the book. Uh, well, this is um, the third uh, book of uh, that I've written. My first uh, uh, book is Diane Franklin, The Excellent Adventures of the Last American French Exchange, Babe of the 80s, <laughs> uh, which is about my career in general. I know, And that's why I made the title long exactly, because I thought, you got to put a smile on people's face when they, they have to know what they're getting <laughs> right away, uh, that it's, it's really fun. Um, so if you don't know anything about my career and you want to know what it's like, how do you become, how do you become an actress, at, like, go from the suburbs to becoming a movie star? How does that even happen? Then get the Excellent Adventures book. Um, uh, all, all of these are under Diane Franklin books. Um, and my second book was on Last American Virgin. That is um, uh, basically, it's called The Excellent Curls of the Last American French Exchange, Babe of the 80s. Um, <laughs> the Curls book is uh, for those who are virgin fans. And basically, I was the first actress to kickstart curly hair, the curly hair craze of the 80s. With wow. the terms and everything, so um, yeah, so that I wrote a book about it because I remember it happening and it was shocking. So that's a f- hilarious, but also like if you love Virgin, you're gonna love the excellent curl. That you'll get all things that you no one knows. That that book has pictures and has you know information and stories that no have not been heard anywhere. And then my new book that just came out this year, The Excellent Comedy of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s, is a Better Off Dead tribute book. And this this one is the labor of love. I love Better Off Dead. I had a blast making it. And the director-writer, Savage Steve Holland, who did Better Off Dead, who wrote it based on his true life, um, he was such a fan of me doing this, and he sent me all this stuff. In fact, this book is amazing because all people like when i told them i wanted to make uh this this, write this book i got great interviews um people like uh charles damar uh curtis armstrong gave me an interview um uh, amanda wiss gave me an interview even the paper boy gave me an interview i have so many (laughs) 
<laughs> wonderful stories. I mean, all I can tell you is if you love Better Off Dead, you will go crazy when you see this book. This book is what you've been waiting for. So um, I'm just excited to have it, you know, out there for people to see. It's hilarious. With everything you just mentioned there, it's going to sound almost silly me asking you this, but I, I've got to ask you, uh, when did you realize that you were the, the first curly-haired uh, girl, young lady, uh, whatever, to uh, to really start that trend? Because that's really what happened. That's what, you know, that that, that was the trend of the, the 80s. And then, you know, the big hair, you know, followed. But I, I didn't even think of that until you just said that. Uh, when did you realize that? Was it Was it soon after or did it take years? Or did people have to tap you on the shoulder and say, do you realize you started that trend? No. Okay, so this is amazing. So I had been in the entertainment business like nine years before, and I had to straighten my hair for years to be in the entertainment business. They, I had this that curly hair, and it was not happening. So, And I was looking for another curly-haired actress. I was like, where are my you know, peeps, like, where is this other curly-haired actress? Um, and I was a teen, and, you know, it's not to say that, you know, look, there was Lucille Ball and Bernadette Peters, but they were all adults. There was no teen at the time that had uh, curly hair, except for Amy Irving, who was in Carrie. Yeah. But even then, that was in the 70s, she was not the lead girl, and she was playing, like, the bad girl in the story. So there was no, like, if you wanted to be, like, the, like the girl, like if you would always be curly hair, would be the girl who was the best friend, for instance. Yeah. So what happened was, I remember when I got Virgin, it was a complete accident because that was the day that I let my hair go curly. And when I got cast to be the dream girl, I remember specifically this was highly unusual. And even when I did Better Off Dead, I wrote like in my press kit, you know, like what is happening? Like all the jobs I'm doing involved me, you know, people kept saying, oh, keep your curly hair, keep your curly hair, whereas for years they would say straighten it. So what was shocking to me was that when I looked back and I went, oh my gosh, like, that, it was the turning point, and I, I was a cognitive of it during the time, when I, I even when I got virgin, and so that's what makes the book so amazing, is that I remember um, when I, that I was so shocked that they wanted the dream girl to have this different look. And it was the beginning of the 80s, so I felt like I think the world was ready for change. And I had these exotic looks. So, But what was, what was amazing to me is how after I did Last American Virgin, where I played this girl that everybody wanted, then there was, you know, all these other actresses had curly hair like Julia Roberts and, you know, um, Jennifer Beals and... Um, the girl in Dirty Dancing, like there's so many, you know, um, it just was shocking to me. I was like, what is happening? So um, I lived it. I really did. And I, I, I was kind of just amazed. So that's why when I wrote the book, it was just, it hit me after I wrote my first book. I think that I thought, oh, I got to write the second book. I, I didn't have a, I didn't know I was going to write a second or third book when I started writing. I just knew that I had more to say. Well, listen, you're getting rave reviews for, for all of the books, and, and for good reason. People love remembering their uh, their upbringing, their teen years, and, and, and you were the, you know, you were that girl, you know, you were that uh, that dream girl for, you know, so many people. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, 
a, a lot of people are getting into the, it's a very underappreciated time period, but it's starting to be appreciated now, maybe because me at like 55 years old and others like me are, are talking about it. And the Brad Packers now are writing books and different things. But uh, what a what a wonderful career you have. And, and, and what a, a what a great thing it is to put these books out there. It is a piece of, of history and it's a piece of our history. Before you go, again, we'll uh, we'll talk about the book as we let you uh, let you go as well. But uh, give us a website or a social media site. Give us something that uh, that people could follow along uh, beyond the books and and the best place to get the books and to, and to follow along. So um, for if you want to buy the books, go to Amazon. That is where they are available. I w- I did Google uh, Diane Franklin books, um, but you I, sometimes it's kind of hard googling. I, I, it should bring it right up, but if it doesn't, write better off write Diane Franklin and then better off dead. Um, movie book and try to see if, you know, like, find it there. Um, my other books I know are available, Diane Franklin books, but it's on Amazon. Um, so it is a new book. And um, the other thing is I also will be going to conventions. I'm going to go to the L.A. Uh, horror convention. I'll be there signing books. Um, and I'm going to actually be going to England this year, too. Um, so at, for the Misty Moon Gallery, I'll be in England signing books. Um, but also, if you want to con- connect with me, go to Actress on Instagram, go to actress Diane Franklin. And I always put information about upcoming events and things there. Also on Twitter, I'm Diane Franklin 80, 80, no S. And if you are interested on Facebook, uh, go to Diane Franklin official fan page um, or uh, fan site because um, my regular Diane Franklin Facebook is full. I have like over a thousand people who are trying to get on it so go to the official fan page. That is also me. So um, somewhere along the line, just connect with me there and I that's me and I will keep you up to date because there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm still in films. Um, I have some movies out on Hulu and uh, on uh, Peacock. So um, and But this book, oh my gosh, let me tell you, it's, it's a dream. It's, you'll love it. It's yeah. so good. Well, I wish I had more time with you, Diane, and uh, and maybe we could arrange that later. Oh, but thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for being here, and congratulations on the success of the books. Again, you're getting rave reviews, and we'll be talking about it as we let you go. Diane Franklin, thanks for being here. Merci, bucket. Au revoir. Diane Franklin, everyone. And her latest is Diane Franklin, the excellent comedy of the last American French exchange babe of the 80s, the Better Off Dead movie tribute book. And she wanted to remind you of all these uh, pop culture iconic movies, uh, a clever way of doing it, quite frankly, because you don't hear Diane Franklin and, and it's not like Demi Moore, you know, you don't hear hear the name and immediately know everything that she's in, but she's, uh, you know, she's uh, been in so many iconic films and she was uh, a part of so many um uh, you know so many films a better off dead a uh, big deal there and uh, bill and ted's excellent adventure last american virgin uh, what is it I, and and i'm hoping i'm getting this right uh, i'm just jotting down pretty in pink 16 candles some kind of wonderful and uh, you know again she talks about it in the books if you are if you're into pop culture Certainly get uh, get the the Diane Franklin uh, trio the trilogy here, 
and I'm sure there's more to come. She sounds pumped up, and she sounds like she's going to be doing the circuit. And those are a lot of fun, the Comic-Cons and, and, and Chillers and, and all. You know, you'll be seeing her uh, there, and uh, a good, good place to get the, uh, get the books. Frank McKay signing off. Diane Franklin has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, uh, just a wonderful actor. Fantastic. So many people know him from so many things. We'll get into that. But first, let me introduce Graham McCavish to uh, everyone. And you know him from uh, just just wonderful things uh, over the years. House of, Dr- House of the Dragon is the prequel to the Game of Thrones. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it premieres. Uh, well, actually, it's uh, it's it's premiered. It's just absolutely uh, just fantastic. Everyone's uh, everyone's got to tune in. All games uh, Game of Thrones fans uh, are looking forward to all of this. Graham, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Nice to be here. Uh, listen, nice to have you, and I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, that this is going on. Uh, when did you hear about the project? Well, it's funny. You know, it's it's going back a few years now. Uh, I had worked with the um, co-showrunner uh, on House of the Dragon, Ryan Condal. We'd worked together on two previous projects. One was an, an NBC pilot, and that was back in 2013, and then there was a, a show called Colony, that I, I worked on for Ryan and we both really liked working together and we had lunch one day this was years ago and he said listen I'm working on this Game of Thrones prequel and I'd love you to be a part of it and you know uh, you, you, you hear those things periodically and you go oh that would be great but when it actually comes to pass uh, I remember turning to him on the set of the throne room standing in front of the Iron Throne and I looked at him and I said well here we are here we are and it, it was it was great. So I've known about it for a while, uh, but uh, and it took nearly a year, or at least a year, to, to actually shoot it. How much different is the uh, is the end result, or at least what you, what you've seen so far, uh, than what you expected it to be like? Um, you know, uh, we worked on a lot of practical sets, so there were it was it was real. You know, apart from obviously those those dragons, which uh, we couldn't quite fit on the set. Um, they, they, um, everything, everything was very, very real. Uh, they built a two-story palace. They were staircases, apartments, uh, corridors everywhere. So you had a real sense of place. Um, so when it came to actually seeing it, it wasn't so dissimilar to what you experienced at the time. Um, I mean, obviously, I play one character in a, in a big show, so you're not privy to everything that's shot. So there are there are moments where you go well. For instance, there's a there's a, a scene in the first episode involving a, a childbirth, which um, you know you you need to be prepared for uh, to watch that. It's it's quite gnarly, uh, but I wasn't there when they shot that. So when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh boy, that is that bad. So yeah, yeah, there are some great surprises. See, I think you're in a unique situation. 
uh, also, I mean, you you followed up, and I think just beautifully, uh, you know, it, it, everything that Peter Jackson uh, it does is just uh, just a big time, but uh, a b- big time uh, show. But uh, with the Hobbit, and I think the Hobbit was such a uh, uh, ju- just a, a wonderful success, and uh, to me, just a great follow up to the trilogy. So, I mean, here you are coming into you know here yeah. you you're coming into a uh, uh, well, listen, in this p- particular case, you, you kind of have the same type of situation. Uh, it's uh, is it deja vu for you? I mean, did it did it feel the same, or is this just a completely different situation? Well, you know, listen, there are definitely similarities. Uh, you know, the scale of it, the scope, um, the production design. Uh, you know, the, the the budget on it is a is a is a big feature film style budget, so uh, you you get that that sort of scope to it. Um, and hey, you know, I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing a sword, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running around. There are dragons, uh, you know. It's not dissimilar. The the one the one great thing is that the suit of armor compared with the the costume I wore in The Hobbit was like a sort of light spilt dressing gown <laughs> with what I wore as Dwalin. So um, it was a bit of a walk in the park in comparison. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, I, you know, you don't even you don't consider that. I mean, you talk, you talk. Well, I mean, we don't consider that kind of looking from the uh, from the outside. I, you know, it's it, you, you mentioned big budget and you've done big budget. Uh, you know, in in the past, is, is it different because it's it, you know it's it's TV? Is is it different uh, than than what you experienced with the Hobbit? Uh, is it? Uh, uh, you know, and again, big budget is is big budget, and there's some time between. Uh, is the whole production process completely different, or is it similar? No, it is similar, definitely, definitely similar. You know, the 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 setups for some of the scenes in uh, House of the Dragon. You know, the coronation scene that you see in um, Episode One. Uh, those sort of, and there are there are other big scenes to come. You know, they take they take weeks to film some of these things, and uh, there are multiple camera setups, and it's um, you know it's a juggernaut, uh, just like the Hobbit was a was a juggernaut. Uh, but you know, the proof is in the pudding, and and um, when when you watch that all come together with such a skilled group of people working on it, all those technicians, the directors, and the writers, and the production designers, and everything, when when they all bring their best game. To, to something like House of the Dragon, yeah, you you get an incredible, incredible um, series that people will enjoy. Yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm thrilled to be talking to you. So much great work over the years, and uh, you know if we can uh, just divert before we let you go, uh, what's the rest of your, of your year look like? I mean, are you? Uh, uh, do you have a fluid schedule? Is it a rock-solid schedule? You know, I know things have, have changed, obviously, because of the pandemic and everything going on. But what does uh, what does the rest of year, your year look like? And, and fill us in on anything that we should know. Well, um, I'm currently filming on um, season three of The Witcher for Netflix. So I'm, do- I'm busy doing that. Uh, and that's been, that's, that's been taking up this year. And that's been another great, great, great experience. Um, another wonderful group of people. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of Henry Cavill um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a fellow actor and, and a, just as a lovely, lovely human. Um, so that's been a joy. And then there's a couple of other things that are coming up. 
uh, later this year, which I can't talk about. Yeah. But um, there, I'm very excited. Uh, we've got the second season of Men in Kilts that'll be airing. Uh, we're currently editing that uh, with me and Sam Hewan. And so, um, yeah, pretty pretty busy. But um, that's that's the way I like it. Well, listen, uh, congrats on Men in Kilts, too. You and Sam both do just a wonderful, wonderful, very enjoyable. Uh, listen, everything you do, I could watch. Uh, Graham, Graham, thank you so much for being here. Can you give us a website or a social media site uh, that we could follow along? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram as Graham McTavish. I'm on Twitter as Graham McTavish, uh, the official it's the blue tick one. Just make sure you follow the blue tick because there are lots of people out there that pretend to be me, and uh, which is very disturbing. <laughs> but anyway, anything with the official blue tick. And my website is grahammcavish.com. Graham, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on all the great work. Uh, thanks, mate. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Graham McTavish, everyone, just a wonderful actor. Uh, just uh, House of the Dragon is uh, is upon us. I haven't seen it yet, which is unbelievable. And and some of my best friends are, you know, uh, telling me, and I'm saying, no, 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 just hang out, just not yet, you know. And uh, uh, Game of Thrones fans are going to to love his uh, his work in this. And you know, look. The, the Hobbit was uh, great. I'm a big fan, by the way, of the trilogy of the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. And, you know, when The Hobbit was coming out, you know, I guess you're excited about it, but you also think, you know, come on, it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's never going to live up. And and quite frankly, I mean, you know, nothing lives up to, <laughs> nothing lives up to Lord of the Rings in my book. But uh, they they did as, you know, great a job on The Hobbit as, um as they could have, and and I don't think anybody, any fan of uh, of the trilogy, would have expected much more from The Hobbit. Uh, just a just a great job, uh, you know, all the way uh, all the way through. Peter Jackson, everything he does is uh, is uh, you know can't miss. But House of the Dragon is uh, is the the prequel to Game of Thrones, and Graham McTavish. Once again, is uh, is is tapped. They tapped him on the shoulder and they say, "Hey, is a is a big prequel, and let's see what we can, uh, you know, let's see what we can uh, do here." And uh, I've got to believe, I've got to believe it's a home run. Um, just uh, yeah, great work by him. You know, I mentioned uh, the, uh, the what was it, the men in kilts. I was just watching. It was very very funny, very entertaining. And you got to check uh, him out with him and his, his buddy Sam uh, do that, uh, you know, whole whole production. Um, you know, they were on a second season. I'm thrilled that they they got through that. And, uh, you know, you know, once you get to that second season, you, know, you can see things start developing more and then, you know, kind of find their place in this world. But Graham McTavish has been our very special guest from Hobbit fame. And, uh, of course, now house of the dragon it's going to be a big deal and we'll have different folks who star on that um you know every so often you'll be hearing people right here but game of thrones prequel house of the dragon is upon us and graham mctavish one of the stars has been our very special guest frank mckay signing off we'll see you all next time on breaking it down 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, with someone who we uh, we owe a, a, a debt of gratitude uh, to. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, so many people uh, would love for their children to grow up like uh, like this man and uh, to have the uh, the have the loyalty towards his friends and people he works with uh, uh, major Tom Schumann is our very special guest he served in Afghanistan for 16 months and uh, including uh, on the single bloodiest deployment uh, of the Afghan war and I it just uh, just an amazing book that everyone must get uh, always faithful a story of the war in Afghanistan the fall of Kabul and the unshakable bond between a marine and an interpreter uh, major how are you hey good I'm doing all right thanks for having me I you know I I, I got to work on the pronunciation but your interpreter uh, is is that your co-author of the book as well correct Zach yeah. you can just call him Zach Zach, I oh yeah. Well, it, it, by the way, before people think I can't, I can't pronounce Zach. It, it's a much his his full name is uh, is much longer than that. But uh, we'll go with Zach. What can you tell us about Zach and and what uh, what his family uh, had to uh, have uh, have gone through? Uh, you know, I guess uh, the days leading before you got him there or got him out of there. Sure. You know, Zach was born in a, in a small province in Afghanistan. Uh, and after September 11th, he saw the U.S. come and he saw that uh, things started to improve in his area and girls were going to school. And so he started to learn English when he was 11 years old. And then uh, when he was 20, he joined me and fought alongside me. And he didn't he didn't only translate. You know, that's what interpreters do. They translate. But he also quite literally fought alongside us and he really became a member of our platoon and and then after his service with my platoon he became persecuted by the taliban so for the next uh, 10 years you know i went home from the war eventually he continued to to be hunted by the taliban and, and so he applied for a visa uh a program that we set up for interpreters who were facing persecution and so he had met that criteria and so we, we spent several years trying to get him that visa to no uh, to no avail. So ultimately, we had to try to get him out through through a very harrowing escape at the Kabul airport last year. Uh, and just amazing. And and to all of you, I'm, I'm from a military family. My um, my brother-in-law retired a, a brigadier general, and and uh, everything he tells me about. Um, uh, you know, Afghanistan. I, I mean, it's one of the most unappreciated, uh, at least from the public. Um, uh, you know, operations that uh, that we have in American history and so many of you fought so bravely, but the people there, the people on the ground are, are the ones that I'm concerned with even now. Is there, uh, is there any kind of update you can, I'm sure you keep, uh, you know, in touch with, with folks um, that, uh, that were there and folks that may be even still there that are, that, that are residents, that are natives there. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about what's going on on the ground now? Sure. I mean, Zach, I just spent the last you know couple of weeks with Zach doing a little book tour, and uh, I mean his entire 
family besides his children and wife are still there. So, I mean, he, 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 he has a very current everyday update and, and, uh, there's no healthcare system. There's no education system. There, there's no governance period. It's completely oppressive. Uh, it's, it's a poverty, it's famine. It's a, it's a tough place to be right now. And, and, and 87,000 interpreters who qualified for this visa program were left and they're being persecuted and executed, um, presently. So it's, it's a tough situation there, no doubt. I, let's get into the book a little bit. And again, I'll remind everyone, it's always faithful. Um, is uh, is the title, and uh, you know, everyone, please get this book it, 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 for so many different reasons. Uh, uh, Major, uh, give us uh, give us the uh, the genesis. Uh, when did you decide to write the book, and and when did you start putting, you know, as they used to say, pencil to uh, paper, but I guess uh, fingers to keyboard at this point. Uh, when did you start this book uh, in uh, you know in, in the long run? We started writing probably in November, December. Uh, of last uh, this year, our last year. Uh, so we, we, we took about six months to write the book. Uh, you know, we didn't set out to write a book. We didn't set out to, uh, our storyline became very central last year as, as Afghanistan collapsed. Zach became the face in that sea of crowds of people that you saw outside that airport. And, and, and so people, you know, really were drawn to his story uh, because of his bravery and courage serving with the U.S. And, and I was able to help elevate and advocate uh, his story. And so, you know, we wanted to tell people a story about uh, friendship, about keeping our promises. Uh, and, I, and we thought it was important that Zach be able to educate the American public about really what Afghanistan is like since he was born there, lived there, fought there, and spent his entire life there. I think he brings a really unique perspective into the and some insights in Afghanistan that the public generally is unaware of. Uh, you know, there are others like Zach, I'm still, uh, I'm sure that are still left behind, as you as you mentioned. I, you know, I, I think about uh, Zach's family, and I certainly don't want to put uh, any anybody on the on the radar uh, screen. But uh, the family members that are left behind by the interpreters that get out, um, are they? I, I, what's the intelligence level, um, or the uh, at least what they what they know about these folks? Um, uh, the, the Taliban, do they have a uh, a a system that's working as far as? Uh, and I say it in the most respectful way that they're they're trying to find these people i mean are, are they are they still there or are they concentrating on other things uh, i think the taliban is first interested in uh getting revenge on the eighty-seven thousand interpreters who worked for the u.s yeah. that were left there so that they, they've got some uh and they are summarily executing these interpreters that we left behind uh and but I, yeah, I mean, eventually, I think the families will also face persecution as well. But uh, I, I can't like, confirm that. I, it's it's the the, the situation is uh, so bad there that it, it's the suffering is is immense for everybody. And and I don't I don't know if Zach's family will ultimately be persecuted as well. Uh, but they've they've surely suffered enough. Uh, Major, is there something that that can be done from our end? Um, uh, you know, uh, not not from the private sector, governmentally, that you'd like to see done uh, to to help get these uh, interpreters out. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's it's a lot of people, and they the, these were our allies beyond uh, interpreting, as you said. I mean, uh, many of them fought. You know, we got to assume like Zach uh, fought beside us and beside our troops. Uh, is there anything you could suggest that we can we can do that could be helpful? Uh, 
Yeah, we, we just have to make sure that we're a nation that keeps our promises. And so whoever makes promises on behalf of this country, we want to make sure there's accountability there because we'll always need our allies. We've historically needed our allies and we will in the future need our allies. And if, if we're not a country that can be trusted or you know has integrity, a country that keeps its promises, then it's going to be very difficult in the next fight to, to find people who want to work with us. So I, I would talk to whoever those types of folks are that, that make these types of promises uh, or, or start these types of programs on behalf of our country. We've got to, we've got to make sure that they're accountable and uh, tell them that this is who we are as a country. We're a country that says what we mean and, and, and does what we mean and, and does what we say. So, uh, Major Tom Schumann, uh, thank you for everything that you've done. Congratulations on the book. Do you have a website or a social media site you can give us to uh, have us follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, it's K-I-L-L dot Z-0-N-3, Killzone, uh, is, is kind of where I started this whole campaign for Zach last year. Uh, Major Schumann, th- uh, thank you very much to you and to Zach and to everyone else uh, who fought the good fight uh, for us, and, and, and we got to do more to get these uh, folks uh, back over here. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, sir. Major Tom Schumann, everyone, is, uh, has been our very special guest. Always faithful, a story of war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter. Um, just, uh, just uh, a must get for everyone. I've ordered mine and it's, uh, it's out and it's getting rave reviews for, for good reason. And, uh, I'll tell you what, we, um, uh, it, we, it, we, we've got to take better care of our allies. Uh, I, you know, he, he's right. I mean, we're, we're going to have, uh, future conflicts and, and who's going to trust us if we just leave our, our friends behind. Frank McKay signing off major and, and Marine Major Tom Schumann has been our very special guest. Get the book, Always Faithful. And uh, again, uh, a story of war in Afghanistan. The fall of Kabul and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter. And yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I, it just it's it just it's it's unfortunate everything that uh, that's uh, that's happened we heard about it and when we pulled out we left these people be I didn't realize that was the number but 87,000 interpreters and and a Taliban obviously looks at them as uh, uh, Traders. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Oliver Murray is our very special guest. And what a, what a career he's put together. What a job he has done. 
on uh, on the Rolling Stones, and it's a, it, the latest is a four part docu series on the Stones, digging into the the band's uh, history from the eyes of each band member. It is uh, it, it just it just absolutely a must watch for anyone. I don't even care if you're a Stones fan. Uh, if you uh, if you like history, if you like the history of of pop culture, if you like music, if you like anything filmmaking, uh, it, it is absolutely great. And uh, it is uh, my life is a Rolling Stone. And I'll just say this: obviously, that the Beatles uh, are in a category all by themselves. But we're talking about sixty years of history uh, for a band there is nothing like the rolling stones ever in any aspect of history and and not only pop culture uh, there is no historic comp in my mind to to the rolling stones there is no band that you can relate to the longevity and the success the early success they had the impact societally they've had and uh, and just all captured here my life as a rolling stone a must oliver murray how are you I am very well, thank you. Very well, happy to be on the show. Well, let me ask you to comment on, on what I just said. I, I don't think there's a historic comp to these folks, the the people in, in the Rolling Stones uh, anywhere. I, I don't, and again, for many different reasons, but if there is, and, and you make the comparison in, in some of your work, let us know where it is, because to me, it's they're a unique situation beyond a band, a phenomenon, but the longevity is uh, alone is just unbelievable. I agree. And I, I, think, I think at the heart of that is the chemistry, uh, the, the yin and yang of, of the relationship that is Mick and Keith's relationship. You have uh, two very, very different individuals, actually. It was one of the most surprising parts of uh, being able to uh, be part of, of the series was uh, it, it's very hard to separate a rolling stone from the Rolling Stones because of all this mythology and all these stories, some true, some not. But what it really, what it really comes down to is mixed forward momentum, always wanting to go bigger and put on a show uh, for as many fans as possible and put on the best possible uh, spectacle. And then you have Keith that is there saying, Let's do that, but let's not forget where we came from. And he is an anchor of authenticity that keeps the music pure. That means that they don't divert from the mission that, that they kind of had all the way back in, the, in, you know, 62, 63, when they were starting out, which was to play the blues the best they could. That was that. That was all they really wanted to do. They wanted to be the best blues band in London, and they thought, you know, that that was a crazy ambition. And when they achieved that, it was the, you know, who was to know that that was the first step on an encyclopedic chapter of history, which is is just the the band's legacy is unlike any other. And I think to your point about the Beatles. The Beatles revealed a whole new world, but it was the stones that let you into that world because you store yourself up there with them and they kind of let you in because 
I think with the Beatles, with their uniforms and their perfect pop songs, you kind of admired them as this other entity. And the Stones were almost like the first punks. I think they broke down the barriers that show business would usually put up. And they and that's been in the engine room of that band ever since, I think, is they're kind of the people's band, if you like. Everyone has a Stone story about how their music has come into their lives one way or another. They are... Uh, I think one of the most potent cultural forces that came out of the 20th century. Oliver, what did you learn, if anything, that surprised you about the relationship between Mick and Keith? And, uh, you know, again, you've known quite a bit uh, about these guys before. You've done quite a bit of work before this. But before this, um, is there anything, or since this, is there anything that surprised you about their relationship? I think, I'm not sure if it was surprising, but what was really touching was their admiration for each other. And, of course, over that length of time, if you're, if you're essentially co-workers for 60 years and you're working on things that are very precious to you and you, as an individual, are... And have dedicated your life to the pursuit of as close to perfection as you can, you're going to butt heads. And, and I think everyone loves uh, to, to report on the clashes. So there's this kind of sense uh, that Mick and Keith don't get on, which just isn't true. It, 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 they have this admiration for what they've built together. And there's this this, this this sense of you know, nothing is bigger than the band. You know, the, the, the band comes first. You've got to keep the band together. And 60 years, it's, uh, there, will, there will never be another band like it. I, just, I, I don't think there will ever be the conditions for a, uh, a, a musical act to do what they've done. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you uh, on, on everything there. Uh, look, in... In all of the, uh, you know, all of the time covering people who've covered rock bands, uh, you know, I can't imagine there's been a more thorough job than what you have done here. Congratulations on, on that. And before you leave us, and I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you, but before you leave us, tell us anything that that stands out to you uh, about this. And did you leave a lot? Did you leave a lot on the cutting room floor? Uh, that you battled with putting in there. And before you go, give us your website and your social media site. Yeah, I, as always, with, with projects of this nature, it's about what you leave out as opposed to what you put in. Uh, when you have episodes that are 60 minutes long uh, and you're celebrating 60 years, it's a fool's errand to think that you can somehow dedicate one minute of screen time to every single year. So it was about freshness. It was about finding new ways to contribute to the the legacy. To the, the, the there's some fantastic documentaries uh, and and books that have come before us. So our aim was to really look at 
where where are we now? 60 years, what, what's important to them now as individuals? So we kind of gave the floor to, to, to the band, really, just to say, you know, what do you want to talk about? Um, and uh, my website is www.ollymurray.com. You can find out uh, a little bit more about how we made the series and, and who was involved, who the other uh, directors and producers were uh, on my website. We'll be talking about you as we let you go. Oliver Murray, thanks a lot, and congratulations again. Thank you very much. Take care. Filmmaker Oliver Murray joining us from Great Britain. And he is the the filmmaker behind the four-part docuseries on The Stones. And talking about Mick Jagger and Keith Richards' uh, relationship there and the admiration. And, you know, it... Uh, you know, not surprising is is how he worded it, but the admiration that the two men had for each other. And, you know, again, you hear about the spats, but look, if you're working with somebody for 60 years at, at different levels, but I mean high levels, I mean, they have always been at a high level since they've made it. I mean, let's face it, since the 60s, uh, the Rolling Stones have... Uh, have been at a super high level. I saw them in the 80s in, I think, 81. Was it 80? Maybe 1980. And I was a kid. I was 14 years old. My brother and I and another guy went to see him in, in Hartford. And we were living upstate at the time. And we we saw them, and that was in their, their 80s phase, and it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a pretty picture. In my mind, it wasn't a pretty picture. And you would have thought at that point, all right, it's it's the beginning of the end. They were, uh, you know, they they were, uh, you know, hard rockers and everything else. And now all of a sudden, they're hitting into this disco phase, whatever you know, people thought it. But again, they've survived through it. They've persevered, and they've become something that no one else has been a a 60-year top of the heap band. And, and when I say that, I'm not saying they put out hits every year or whatever, but they are, they are a legendary band like, like no one else is. I mean, the Beatles are the Beatles. Let's, let's just put that into perspective. The, the Beatles changed the world. They were a phenomenon of the 60s, and they ended right then, you know, right in, you know, in 70, uh, in 1970, <laughs> they're, they're gone. Uh, the Beatles were going to be a phenomenon of the 60s, and again, they... In a different category, they still are one of the biggest selling bands of all time, uh, the greatest band of all time, the Beatles and everything else. But the the Rolling Stones are something much different. Sixty years together, sixty years at a unbelievably high level. Well, whenever they made it, you know, uh, you know, not uh, figure fifty. <laughs> what is it? Fifty eight years uh, at a very high level, but um, and still going. I mean, just crazy. Um, Unbelievable! the uh, the series is uh, is upon us, and you can see on Epics, My Life as a Rolling Stone is the name, and it's a four part docu series. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down, so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.